Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. Have you ever held someone in high regard only to have their stock go down when you get to know a little bit more about them? I remember when Christina and I went to see a musician that I liked very much. The concert started and pretty quickly into his performance, we both lost interest. The things that he was doing and saying made me like him less and less. Many times, especially when it comes to famous entertainers or athletes, the more that we get to know them personally, the less desirable that they become, with rare exceptions. Jesus Christ is quite the opposite. The more that you get to know Jesus Christ from his word, the more you will grow in your worship, reverence, and fear of him. In today's readings, they help us to get a better glimpse into the person of Christ and into God's nature in general. Let's dive in. First, in our New Testament reading, we're in Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. Here we see Jesus Christ portrayed visually in glory and power. There's really three major things that I think we can walk away with from this passage. First, a visual of Christ unlike any other throughout the New Testament. Second, a right response in light of who Christ is. And third, a comfort that comes from knowing who Christ is. So first I want to read verses 14 through 16. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Here we see Christ like never before. Is this who you think of when you picture Jesus Christ in your mind? Maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to think of Jesus in this way more often. And how could this be helpful to you and me? Well, it increases our reverence for him as our holy God, in which no one is like him, and he is the only one worthy of our praise and honor. Second, I want to read the first part of verse 17. John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Where is our heart at when we come into contact with the real Jesus Christ? Upon salvation, every Christian should respond to Christ like this, like John did in their heart. As Isaiah says in chapter 6, verse 5, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So how do you approach Christ in his word and prayer? Are you flippant? Do you really believe that you are coming before the throne of our eternal God as it's explained by John here in Revelation? This is the God who didn't have to create us, who existed from eternity past and was completely holy, perfect, and full of glory without us. Yet, do we not cherish the fact that he wrote to us? Do we not cherish the fact that he provides a way for us to talk to him through our high priest in Jesus Christ? And how do we approach his bride, the church of Jesus Christ? Are we selfish in how we serve her? Are we irreverent in her presence? Do we ever think of the church as the bride of this Christ, of this amazing picture of our King, the one whose mere presence would cause our face to meet the ground instantly? But third, do you and I find comfort knowing this is who our King is? This is the Jesus that will reign forever. This is the Jesus that we are co-heirs with for eternity in all glory. That should bring us great comfort, even in the midst of turmoil and difficulty and sometimes despair on this earth. 
we know that this is our king and he is coming back and we will reign with him forever. Now in our gospels reading in John 11, 1 through 16, we get a glimpse into how Christ operates when it comes to increasing our faith. It's possible to miss this point with a quick reading of this passage. I mean, we know that Lazarus dies and it's easy to zoom through this passage to get to the next passage to see Christ raise Lazarus, which we'll see tomorrow. He raises him from the dead, but there's more to it. And if we miss this point, we might start to think of Christ in the wrong way. You see, Christ is perfect, meaning nothing happens outside of his control. There's no accidents when it comes to Christ. And so here in this passage, we see Jesus Christ more concerned about our faith than our feelings. And let's look into this a little bit. First, in verses five and six, it says this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That word so right in the middle, starting in verse six is curious, isn't it? It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. As one commentator said, this so, or therefore shows the reason why Jesus stayed two days longer. He allowed his friends to go through the sorrow and hardship of the death and mourning of Lazarus because he loved them and wanted them to witness an amazing demonstration of Jesus's power over death, thus seeing his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. The Lord does not always answer prayers as expected. So many times when we are going through sorrow or hardship, we get into this mindset that we're experiencing a mistake of some kind or something outside of God's control. When we know, especially in light of verses like this, that God not only allows difficulty to happen in our lives, but orchestrates it. Much like when he asked Satan in Job 1.8, have you considered my servant Job? What is God doing in your life right now to help you witness the amazing power of Jesus over all things? There's another part of this passage that I want to share as well. Verses 14 and 15, they say this, Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. See, he's talking to his disciples here and Christ was working this situation together for the increased faith of his disciples as well. Now, I don't want to minimize death. We're going to see the shortest and most famous verse in the Bible, Jesus wept in the coming days. This was a difficult thing, even though Jesus was completely in control of the situation here and understood what had to be done. It was still painful. Death is painful. Death is a result of sin and we don't like death, but Christ knows he is going to defeat death and having faith in Christ should infinitely outweigh our fear of anything painful, even death. Charles Spurgeon said, if we cannot believe God when our circumstances appear to be against us, we do not believe in him at all. Jesus is helping his friends and disciples and ultimately you and me see that in today's reading in John. Moving on to our reading in Psalms, today we read Psalm 132 verses 11 through 18. Here we see Jesus Christ foreshadowed coming as a promise kept to David. Verse 11 says this, the Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. 
The thing I want to mention is this, Christ is part of the entire Bible, both Old and New Testament. How were Old Testament saints saved? The same way we are, by faith, ultimately looking forward to the coming Messiah. It's passages like today's psalm that help us to bridge the Testaments and view passages like our Old Testament reading with more clarity. The God of the Old Testament is, was, and always will be Jesus Christ as part of the Godhead with the Father and Spirit. Although the Messiah would come in flesh to live, die, and resurrect as the perfect lamb, he has always existed. Our Old Testament reading is from Ezekiel 28 and 29. Today's reading in Ezekiel is a good reminder that there's only one God. Starting in chapter 28, we see a prophecy against Tyre's leadership, and it's clear that Tyre's king has claimed to be a god. Then in verse 11, Ezekiel starts a lament over the king. It's clear that his fall is similar to Adam's or Satan's. He has been given much, but instead of praising God for his wisdom and wealth, he begins to form a heart of pride and wants to be like God himself. Then in chapter 29, we get to a prophecy against Egypt. Ezekiel 29.3 says, Speak and say, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, Pharaoh king of Egypt, the great dragon that lies in the midst of his streams, that says, My Nile is my own, I made it for myself. And then God continues to explain how he will humble the Pharaoh. And in verse 6, he says, Then all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am the Lord. Then again in verse 8, he says, Then they will know that I am the Lord. Then after explaining how he will punish Egypt, he says again in verse 16, Then they will know that I am the Lord God. Then he also mentions how Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar will conquer Egypt and finish. He finishes chapter 29 saying, Then they will know that I am the Lord God. There is only one God. And we should know him. One day, everyone will know him. Every knee will bow, no matter where their hearts are at now. Our God shares his throne with no one, and he demands our praise. As we continue to trek through the book of Ezekiel, we must keep in mind the Jesus Christ that we learned about in the New Testament today. Jesus Christ and the Father are one with each other in the Holy Spirit. Perhaps today's reading in Revelation will heighten our view of Christ. Perhaps today's reading in John will remind us that Christ is working all things together for our good if we love him. Perhaps today's reading in the Psalms will remind us that Christ's life, death, and resurrection were always part of the plan. Perhaps today's reading in Ezekiel will remind us that Christ shares his throne with no one. And the consequences for trying to nudge ourselves onto Christ's throne, well, we see that they're very intense. Typically, The more that we get to know the stars that we watch on the silver screen or we watch perform on stages, the less that we like them. We get to see their sinful side. We get to see the things that don't make them look as glorious as they look when they're acting on the screen or they're performing on the stage. But the more that we get to know Jesus Christ from his holy and precious word, the more we will lift his name high and lower ourselves to the floor in awe of his beauty, power, and glory. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. Ben Blakey will be back again tomorrow. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.